This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. Can you just introduce yourself, your name, your age, anything you're happy to share? So my name is Sarah. I am 35. I have a husband and three children who are eight, five and one. Sarah lives in Lake Macquarie, a city on the north coast of New South Wales. With three kids, including one with serious ear infection issues, Sarah's at the doctor's a lot. Usually their doctor doesn't charge for kids. It's covered by the government under Medicare. But last year, when Sarah was leaving an appointment, something unusual happened. When I went to leave, they told me, you know, it's now $89 for that appointment time. And I wasn't prepared for it. We didn't have any savings at that point. I was I was really stressed. I felt really anxious. I tried a couple of cards thinking maybe we had more money in our grocery account. And when it declined, I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then I remembered my husband put the zip pay details onto my phone and he said, you know, if any emergencies, just use this and we'll we'll sort it out later. So I thought, okay, this is, we'll just put it on there for now and <laughs> we'll deal with it when the time comes. According to Guardian Australia's medical editor, Melissa Davey, this type of scenario is becoming more common. The Guardian did a call out for stories from readers and from GP clinics about bulk billing rates, And we just received a flood of messages, more than 300 people and GPs contacting us, telling us about um, the difficulty in finding affordable health care. And according to the Labor government, these costs are a sign of a much bigger problem, which they're promising to fix. Today, why is going to the doctor getting so expensive? It's Wednesday, the 24th of August. So, Mel, both you and our inequality reporter, Steph Convery, have been looking at the flaws in Medicare when it comes to visiting the doctor. Why did you start looking into this? Where did this start? It started with this claim from the previous Morrison government that almost nine out of 10 visits to the GP in 2021, or 88% to be exact, resulted in no out-of-pocket costs for the patient. So this was particularly prominent in the lead up to the election earlier this year. And in March, um, the former federal health minister, Greg Hunt, issued this press release which reiterated this statistic. More people than ever as a percentage of the population are able to attend the doctor for free. Um, That has seen uh, 88.7% of people year to date receive uh, their GP services for free. He said that... Essential medical care is more affordable than ever before and that the number of Australians receiving essential medical care with no out-of-pocket costs is continuing to rise. So, uh, you know, this didn't quite fit with what both um, readers and um, people were telling me, but also with what health experts were saying as well. So I decided to dig a little bit deeper into it. Right. So you decided to look into this claim that going to the doctor is cheaper than ever, essentially. What did you find? So up-to-date national data is hard to come by, but what we know is the median percentage of patients who had all of their general practice services bulk billed in 2018 to 2019 
was 64%. So already much lower than that 88% figure that we heard from the former government. And then separate figures from 2019 show that in the ACT, that's even lower at 39%. So it does depend on where you live. Anecdotally, we hear that whole states have become these kind of bulk bill deserts where you just can't find a doctor that bulk bills anywhere, even if you're willing to travel. So, for example, in Tasmania, we are hearing from lots of readers that they can't find a bulk billing doctor anywhere. And then we also know that the problem has gotten worse just in the past year or so. Right. So it sounds like a very different picture that you've discovered about bulk billing here, Mel. I mean, how would you characterise the state of bulk billing in Australia right now? Complex, confusing and non-transparent. So Mm. we also spoke to the new health minister, Mark Butler, and after putting all of these facts to him, um, he did eventually tell us that, yes, in his opinion, primary care is actually in the worst shape it's ever been in since Medicare began and that bulk billing statistics are likely not accurate. Mm. So let's break down this issue a little bit further, Mel. Firstly, can you just explain what bulk billing is? and how it is supposed to work. So bulk billing just means you don't pay for your appointment that day. So the GP clinic bills the government basically and they accept a set payment from the government called the Medicare benefit or the Medicare rebate as full payment for the service. So the government pays around $39 to a GP for a standard consultation. So a standard consultation is about 15 minutes. However, the Australian Medical Association says For it to be sustainable for GPs, they should be getting about $86 from the government for that 15-minute consult. So that's a big gap between what doctors say they should get paid by the government and what the government is actually paying. So that's bulk billing. However, some doctors will charge the patient a private fee. So we talked about how the Australian Medical Association recommends about $90 for that appointment that the government's only giving them $39 for. So the GP clinic will charge $90. They will charge the patient that $90 rate. And then the patient will then get that $39 back from the government into their bank account. So you end up being out of pocket $40 to $50 and you've been charged a fee that day. So that's a private fee. Some clinics just bulk bill. They bulk bill pretty much all of their patients. Some clinics are private billing clinics, so they will charge you whatever they set the rate as. And then some clinics are mixed billing. So they might bulk bill some patients. They'll charge other patients a private fee. It's up to the clinic about how they do that and who they bulk bill. Do we know how many GP clinics are moving to mixed or or private billing to charging their customers? Yes. So this was from a survey of almost 500 GPs conducted in August. And more than one in five, about 22%, had recently changed their bulk billing model. So 67% of those who did change their model had moved from being a mixed billing practice to being only private billing. 33% of them moved from bulk billing to mixed billing. And it just means they're bulk billing much more selectively now. They're not routinely bulk billing patients that they might have previously. And You know, we are also hearing from um, patients that clinics are not even bulk billing concession card holders anymore or children anymore. So even those vulnerable Mm. patient groups that you might have associated with being bulk billed automatically, it's not necessarily the case anymore. So overall, though, one in five are kind of moving away from the completely free model that we're we're speaking about. That sounds like a lot. 
is it, Mel? It's a lot, especially compared to the same time last year when this survey was done, where just 10% said that they had recently changed their billing model. So Mm. the proportion of GPs considering changing their billing has increased. And we just know that this might continue to increase because the cost of running a clinic is is still increasing. The cost of living, inflation is increasing, and that applies to GPs as well. And so all of this means that patients are finding it increasingly difficult to find a GP who bulk bills or regularly bulk bills. And people are having to travel long distances, especially those in rural and regional areas, just to access affordable care. For Sarah, who we heard from earlier, this sudden increase in cost, with appointments for three kids now costing $90 up front, was confronting. We've cut back quite a bit in terms of what we buy. We just, we're really mindful of how we spend our money now. But she had little choice. There was no other doctor accepting new patients in her area, let alone a doctor that bulk bills. Perhaps about two months ago, I was trying to get an appointment for myself and it was quite urgent and I was feeling really overwhelmed with what was happening in my life at the time. And I rang the GP for an appointment and they said it would be three weeks. And that was huge, to wait three weeks for something I was really worried about and I really needed help with. It just wasn't okay. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I did, I actually was crying on the phone to the reception lady at that point, just saying... Is there anything you can do? Is there a wait list I can go Mm. on? Is there another GP service you can recommend? And there was nothing. And she said, look, it's just how it is right now. And there's no other surgeries who have their books open in the area. You can try calling around, but from what we're aware of, there's no one. And I did call around to a few services, a few surgeries in the area, and there was no one available with their books open. So a three-week wait, what has that meant when things pop up with the kids and things pop up in terms of health? Yeah, well, um, the other option we have is going to the hospital, to the emergency department. Have you had to go to the hospital for things that really should be handled by a GP? Yes, yes, we have We have once before just to get a script for, I think it was an ear infection, something really really simple Mm. and it's something we couldn't wait for Mm. so we just had to go to the hospital to get that and you feel terrible because you're going there explaining to the triage nurse that look I know we don't need to be here I know we're just taking up another seat and time for patients who really do need your service but we have nowhere else to go. Smell you and our inequality reporter Steph Convery have been speaking to people all around Australia about this issue, particularly patients who are struggling with a lack of bulk billing. Who struggles the most when bulk billing disappears? Um, Those people that you would expect to struggle. So pensioners, people living on government support payments, people with chronic health conditions who need to go to the doctor a lot and they might have other out-of-pocket expenses like medications and treatments as well. The elderly, Um, people who are no longer in work, people who have large families and more people to care for and potentially more people getting sick. And the latest Australian Health Consumer Sentiment Survey found 14% of Australians with chronic conditions could not pay for healthcare or medicine because of the cost. So we've spoken to some of those people with chronic 
conditions, um, many of them living on low incomes, and they say they spend thousands of dollars on medical care each year. So even though they try and find those bulk billing doctors who who do bulk bill as much as possible, it's just getting harder to get that bulk billing appointment every single time. And then there's also people who are transgender. So if they're medically transitioning, this becomes particularly expensive without access to bulk billing. They also need a lot of appointments and different treatments. And so we know that this is also an issue that affects people by electorate as well. Mm. So some of the lowest income electorates have among the highest average out-of-pocket costs. So out-of-pocket costs in the Northern Territory are among the most expensive in the country. Solomon, um, the electorate that's home to Darwin, is recording the second highest average out-of-pocket cost in Australia at $50.78, while in Lingari, which takes in the remainder of the territory, it's the 14th most expensive at $45.61 per appointment. And these are both areas with high Indigenous populations as well, who we know often have difficulty accessing medical care and affordable medical care. So there's a range of vulnerable groups that are really impacted by this. You've been speaking to some of the hardest hit patients around Australia. What have those conversations been like? What's kind of stuck with you? Some of the stories from elderly people with um, no relatives still alive and, and no children spoke about how difficult it was to advocate for themselves and um, how they worry that they might not be able to advocate for themselves so well and to ask for bulk billing as they get older. Um, I found that very sad. And um, we know that Australia is an aging population, so this will become a larger issue. One pensioner told me that he begged his GP to please bulk bill him because he couldn't afford medical care. And he was actually going in for COVID antivirals. Um, So COVID antivirals are life-saving and really essential to elderly vulnerable people with COVID. It stops them from becoming very unwell. It stops them from potentially ending up in hospital and dying. I was also really affected by the stories of parents who are delaying their own medical care because they want to make sure that their children get seen. And increasingly, we were hearing that even children under 16 aren't being routinely bulk billed. So it also makes you wonder about children as well, if parents are delaying kids' medical care because they just can't afford it. It's it's really sad. I know of a friend who actually borrowed money off their parents to take their child to the GP because of the cost now. And it's just it's just impossible to find anyone who does bulk bill, even for kids. It's just so unfair. It just seems like a, a basic human right that, especially for children, should be able to access. Next, why is the cost of visiting the doctor rising? And what is the federal government doing about it? Well, why is this happening? Why is going to the doctor getting more expensive? Lots of reasons, but we'll look at some of the core ones. So we mentioned that GP survey earlier, and of those 500 GPs who responded, they cited a couple of key reasons for changing their billing model. Mm. One is stalling Medicare rebates. The amount that they get back from the government for the services they provide hasn't increased or has increased very slowly over many, many years. 
And the costs of running a medical practice are also increasing. And then further down the list, we also saw things like the increasing um, cost of running a clinic because of COVID. So lots of clinics had to implement new PPE measures, um, separating off different parts of the clinic to make it safe. All of that costs money. Right. So let's start with the rebate. Why is it so low? So the amount GPs receive from Medicare for bulk billed services has barely changed since 2013. This is the despite the cost of um, medical care increasing, um, the costs of treatments increasing, um, GP clinics having to buy different um, equipment increasing. All of that has gone up while the rebate has stayed the same or barely shifted at all. Why has it stayed the same, Mel? There was a rebate freeze that was put in place by Labor in 2013 as a budget savings measure to get the budget back on track. But this was supposed to be a temporary freeze. It wasn't supposed to stay in place for years. And then the coalition got elected in 2014. They kept this freeze in place. They they tried to get a few health reforms through and, and a bunch of health policies through and didn't. And so they kind of just kept this freeze in, in place in the meantime. And so for many, many years, the amount that a GP was getting back from the government just stayed the same. Um, And so at the moment, the government pays less than half of what the Australian Medical Association recommends for a short consultation. And so when a GP decides to charge a private fee, they'll just charge that amount that the AMA recommends um, to try and make ends meet. So basically, we've had a historic failure of reforms and different governments putting different measures in place. and, And basically, it means that over a long period of time, the rebate hasn't changed. And the Royal Australian College of GPs says the impact of this freeze has still been really keenly felt by practices. So we've kind of had this gradual increase in the freeze uh, or lifting of the freeze, I should say, for some Medicare items, for some um, services, but it's not by very much. It's not a drastic increase for those services that have seen a slow rise. Right. It doesn't make up for six, seven years of it being frozen completely. Exactly. It doesn't make up for inflation or staff salaries or GPs needing to cover the cost of facilities or rent and insurance, the increasing costs for things like new technologies, new medicines, the rising cost of living, which of course impacts everyone. And so, By bulk billing every single patient and relying on this Medicare rebate from the government to pay for those appointments alone, it just does not cover all of these costs. And it's a complicated issue to talk about because it does depend on the clinic and how big the clinic is and who runs the clinic. So if you think about some of those really big, large kind of, we call them super clinics, Mm. you know, they've got lots of doctors, lots of appointments at all hours, they're often quick appointments. Um, they're bulk billing at a much higher rate. They're churning patients in and out, lots of doctors, lots of appointments. So you often see those big super clinics being able to bulk bill and they can actually make, you know, decent money. Um, But for a smaller family run clinic, um, especially in a low socioeconomic area where the patient needs are more complex, the, the appointments may go for longer. So therefore you don't get to cram in as many appointments during a day the money you receive from the government will be much, much lower. And then if you decide to then go, okay, well, we can't afford to bulk bill, so we're going to charge these patients a private fee, the patients just won't come because they can't afford to come. So it's very different becoming a private billing practice in a high-income area um, as opposed to somewhere that's a very vulnerable population or a small population. 
Right. So instead of the government just owning and operating these clinics themselves, they're kind of asking many GPs to run them at a loss, unless there's some sort of super clinic. Is there anything else that is driving up the cost of going to the Dr. Mel? So we also know that the other issue is that some GPs, either unknowingly, because the system is so complicated, or deliberately, have been claiming the Medicare rebate that's supposed to go to the patient and then charging the patient a fee on top of that. Mm. So this is according to research by Dr. Margaret Foe. She's a solicitor and she's also a health policy expert and she did her whole PhD on Medicare billing. And the problem with this practice of billing incorrectly is that it inflates the bulk billing data. It's recorded by Medicare as being a bulk billed appointment, even though you separately paid a fee via FPOS at the doctor that day. Mm. Mel, it sounds like there's a lot going wrong here with this system. There is, yes. It's very complicated. But a few kind of obvious things that jump out from talking to you that could fix these issues is raising this rebate and also cracking down on this incorrect billing system as well. Can you talk me through what the experts, what the peak bodies are calling for? Yeah, so there's strong support across the board, really, for an increase to the rebate. So um, GPs get more back from the government for Medicare-covered services, including, you know, a standard consultation, certain treatments. And then how do you make sure that if you increase the Medicare rebate, that that is passed on to patients? So it's not really as simple as just raising the rebate, though, according to some experts. Mm. So the current Medicare fee-for-service funding model is geared to high-volume, short transactional appointments. That's how you're going to make money being a bulk billing GP, you get through a lot of patients quickly and you claim as much from the government as you can. But these 15 minutes appointments or even less are just not good for all patients. And we know that our population is getting older, there's more chronic disease, and so often people need longer appointments. And so funding the system in this way that incentivizes short, quick appointments just could further decrease the quality of care. Mm. You spoke to the new health minister, Mark Butler, earlier this month. What is the role of the federal government in fixing this system and what is their plan? Yes, so the federal government does fund and regulate general practice and, you know, they're, they're responsible for Medicare. So in the lead up to the election, Labor promised $750 million for a strengthening Medicare task force and fund, which is designed as this group of experts from across the health system to figure out how to make healthcare more accessible and affordable, especially for those with chronic conditions and especially for those who are vulnerable. And Butler said that this committee would report by the end of the year to um, highlight the priority areas for spending and reform. So he's also announced 50 urgent care clinics, though there are issues about how do you staff urgent care clinics if you can't attract medical professionals to the field. And he's hoping that these clinics will be up and running next year. And we know the health minister met with peak health bodies on Tuesday for a national health workforce summit. And he said that the growing issue of health workforce shortages is one of his priorities to address, including a lack of GPs. And he'll be meeting with people across the country from the health industry over coming months to listen to them about what needs to be done to reform healthcare. You know, he's previously told Guardian Australia that his focus will be on rebuilding Medicare, that he has no higher priority than rebuilding general practice. Right. But we know the rest of the health system is also in crisis, Mel. Hospitals are overflowing and understaffed. 
Is that adding to the problem that we're seeing in GP clinics? It is, um, and it's a good point. So when hospitals are full and specialists are also expensive and it's really hard to get into allied health services like physiotherapists or um, psychologists, then the amount of people who rely on GPs does increase. But it's all interconnected. You know, you can't just fix the one area. We need to look at all the different range of health services we need to try and address this overall pressure on the health system that's particularly affecting those with complex health conditions. Australia really prides itself on the fact that we have, quote, universal health care, that it is affordable and accessible. Is that a bit of a mismell? I mean, was that ever true? And is it becoming less and less true by the day? Yeah, I think it's always been universal in name only. And I think it's true that it is increasingly becoming harder for the most vulnerable to access healthcare. And so we don't have this amazing universal health system that we pride ourselves on. I think in the past, we often compare ourselves to other countries as well. We look at um, the US, for example, and we look at the exorbitant amount people pay for medical care there. And we just think, well, thank goodness we're not in that situation. We're not that bad. And maybe that prevents us from really interrogating how much better our system could be. That was Melissa Davey, medical editor for Guardian Australia. You can read the full Mind the Gap bulk billing in crisis series at theguardian.com. And we've linked to that on the full story page as well. There's a lot to check out in that series, including a deeper dive on why bulk billing is so hard to find across Tasmania and a look at incorrect or illegal billing nationwide. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and Jane Lee. Sound design by Daniel Simo. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Matnioni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie, and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, catch you tomorrow.